Today we conclude our Lenten series focused on the theme of prayer. We're focused today specifically on prayer as praise, mindful of the crowds praising Jesus in this palm processional. I'm grateful again to Betty Smith who provided the beautiful artwork interpreting that theme for this Sunday. I love the way the outstretched hands unto God's goodness and God's creation shows forth such a beautiful expression of open praise. Artwork here, again, can be found on the cover of your bulletin if you'd like to a closer look at it. I'll speak more particularly about prayer as praise, especially when we go to pray together at the Lord's table. For now, let us turn to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When they'd come near to Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village ahead of you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her, and tie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, tell the daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and, and others, they cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him, that followed him, were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was but a few short weeks ago that the news was frequently covering presidential primaries. Stories about who has power, who will have power, who should have power. It was but a few weeks ago that Delta committed $1 billion to become carbon neutral in its footprint because flying across the sky was so frequent, so assumed, and so pollution, a real issue. It was but a few weeks ago we were in the midst of the longest bull run in modern history. It was just a few weeks ago that power was debated, flying, regular travel assumed and with frequency, and money growing. And oh, by the way, did you hear there's this virus in China? Do you know the word corona is Latin for crown? When you look at the coronavirus 19 under a microscope, it has all these little spikes on, around it that make it look like a little royal crown. And oh, how that crown, that little crown, has upended so many things, from politics to travel to money to schools, to livelihoods, to cherished traditions and occasions. It has moved with rapid speed and made all of us feel acutely just how unpredictable 
life can be. And in the past few days, I have heard it said more times than in the past three weeks combined, when is this going to end? And into our midst this morning, the ancient prophet Zechariah cries forth through Matthew's gospel, look, your king is coming. Humble, riding on a donkey. And even to those of us who know very little about donkeys, that sounds quite overwhelming, underwhelming, in the face of the overwhelming moment. The great emperors of ancient time, they they would stride back into the city after their great conquest and they'd be mounted upon regal war horses. They had columns of soldiers in tow, also many of them mounted on regal war horses and chariots. The, The processional spoke of the kind of power that upends other powers. It spoke of the kind of power that you couldn't do anything about because it was it was so big, so full. And who among The crowds of Jesus' day did not hope for a Messiah of that kind of power who might upend occupier Rome. Who among us, quite frequently, would not willingly take Jesus riding upon a horse, tearing into this particular moment with an overcoming power? Break this virus. Restore the jobs. Draw us, your people, unto the shelter of your wings that we might hold hands and laugh and dance safely and freely. You are, after all, Lord of lords and King of kings. Who among us would not willingly take Jesus astride upon a conquering horse in this moment? And yet Matthew spends considerable time in our passage this morning detailing Jesus' plan for procuring not a horse but a plodding pedestrian donkey and a colt that have been prepared already and tied up and brought forth for just this moment. For Jesus, this is not plan B. For Jesus, this is not, I wish I had a war horse. I wish I had connections to those kind of resources, but I don't, so the donkey. No, the donkey is a deliberate choice. It's a choice that has me recall another strange moment in Matthew's gospel, right at the outset of Jesus' ministry. It's then that that Satan confronts Jesus in the wilderness while he's been fasting for 40 days, and, and Satan says to Jesus, look, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are all powerful, almighty, if you have divine power, use the power to meet the pressing need of hunger. And I have to think, If Jesus were in the wilderness today, the question may very well be, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become vaccines. And who among us would not ache for triumphant Jesus to do just that? Muscle up, Jesus. Make it happen. Look, your king is coming. Humble. Mounted on a donkey. From the beginning of his ministry all the way unto this processional, Jesus has resisted the use of overcoming, overwhelming power in favor of a far quieter, far humbler way. Lovere, Italy is a small town in northern Italy I would not heard of until the middle of March. 
That is when a 72-year-old Catholic priest died of COVID-19. His parishioners had, had brought him a ventilator at one time to assist for his respiratory issues, and, and amid his own acute illness, he chose to give up the respirator so that a younger person whom he did not know could use it. It's profoundly tragic that the situation would ever come to such a moment, and, and, and then also there's the decision itself. What went through this priest's mind? What if he'd given the ventilator to someone who honestly was going to be okay anyway? Surely he knew his condition required this. And yet his stunning decision draws me to Paul's letter to the Philippians where he articulates a beautiful expression of God's good news. And I want to read that portion to you. It, It is so central. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Jesus Christ, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, did not consider great strength something to be used to his advantage, something to be used to make other people do what he wanted. Rather, Jesus emptied himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God raised him to the highest place. The priest did not grasp the ventilator, but let himself go empty of breath that another might breathe. No, this was not a cure. But in the days following that moment, how many were filled with a fresh dose of the greatest antidote of all? In the days following that moment, how many were filled again with a sense that sacrificial love is real? Sacrificial love is profound. How many were filled again with a sense that that if all of us could truly love with one another with whatever that love is about, then we would do far more than merely just survive this moment? the humble, sacrificial action of a religious leader from an unheralded place in the world, giving breath unto many. War horses can coerce, love woos. War horses can intimidate, love graces. War horses can run with great speed, love is profoundly inefficient. The way of the donkey may be plodding and vulnerable and humble, but every time, all the way into the cross itself, every time Jesus chooses the way of the donkey because it is the way of love. And in the end, as Paul famously declares, it is love and love alone that never fails. It's this promise that accords with the prophecy Matthew notes in Jesus, who Matthew notes Jesus is fulfilling in this very scene. It comes, you heard from the prophet Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, riding on a donkey. In that same scripture in Zechariah, it continues to make clear why one would rejoice at the great king riding upon a lowly donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He, this king, will proclaim peace to the nations 
His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Zechariah's prophecy, which Jesus is fulfilling, makes it clear the way of the plodding donkey shall prevail over the chariots, the war horses, the battle bows. Love never fails. And the people for, at Jesus' processional here, they seem to get it, at least at some level. We read how in the presence of Jesus, they don't clutch to what they have. Instead, they give Jesus a king's welcome. They throw their cloaks on the road before Jesus. They break palm branches and place those on the road before Jesus. They're looking for small, tangible ways to express their praise and joy before the one who comes in the name of love, who conquers in the way of love. They make me think of the countless folks in recent days who have likewise laid down something significant so as to give praise and witness to the one who comes in the way of love. They make me think of of those who have laid down their time and their supplies to make cloth masks for healthcare workers and first responders. I think of the round rock freshman who laid down her gift for music. She could no longer sing at the, inside the nursing home where she sung regularly for the residents for a couple of years, and so instead she sets up a microphone and a speaker outside of the nursing home and sings. I think of Paul, Dr. Paul Duprex at the University of Pittsburgh who, who laid down his pride. He discovered quite recently that a ferret exposed to COVID-19 had developed a high fever. It's the kind of discovery that can quickly lead to animal vaccine testing and then human vaccine testing and then a vaccine. It's the kind of dis- discovery ordinarily you keep quiet about. You begin working hard on it so that you might be the one who discovers the vaccine. And instead, within two hours, he's on his weekly conference call with scientists from around the globe, and he's sharing all the details of his latest discovery in case that helps any one of them get to the vaccine sooner. And likewise, they're sharing all their latest discoveries in case it helps him or any one of them with the vaccine. In humility, value others above yourselves. Or the crowd's They're laying down of their cloaks, their branches. They make me think of Chaplain Mike Yonkers at the University of Washington's Medical Center in Seattle who laid down his prayers and creativity. He was no longer able to visit patients in their room, but a family, they very much wanted prayer for this loved one. And so he walks over to the nursing station just to see what he can find out about this person, name, family, things he seems to like, and, and once he gets a little bit of a picture of this man, he, he goes and writes a personalized prayer for this man on a piece of paper, and, and then he, he gives that to the, the nurse, and, and the nurse goes in the room and hangs it above his bed so that he can read the prayer. Not a vaccine, not an instant cure, but also can you imagine the gift the soul knows when it contemplates the amount of love that has gone into bringing such a personalized prayer, when it contemplates the amount of love praying through that prayer. Ask any healthcare worker, when it comes to healing, is there anything more potent than hope and love? 
When I see these people in Matthew's gospel laying down what they have before Jesus, when I see them echoing in their actions Jesus' same willingness not to grasp to power but to offer love, I think of the countless individuals and families and churches and certainly first responders of every type who are not clutching to what they have but laying it down in an offering of love. Small act after small act, hand washing after hand washing, phone call after phone call, each gesture and expression of the fundamental antidote needed in every generation. Have we known love plod our way in these recent days? And as we look ahead into the unknown days before us, What simple things might we lay down in love? Might we lay down in praise of the one who comes in love? What humble offering might Jesus invite us to make? And how wide and how deep might the ripple effect be of all that is done in love? Look, your king is coming to you. Humble riding upon a donkey. No other crown can prevail upon the one who comes in the way of love. Amen.